Welcome to Empty Opinions. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Empty Opinions podcast. Podcast, the place for all things culture. My name is Eladi Blanco, aka E4, aka the Tiny Pussy Stretcher. I'll get into what that reference means in a second if you don't know what I'm talking about. Promise I'm not being a pervert. And yeah, this is uh, the podcast is back in a different form. I said it in the last episode that in episode 200 that I was going to be changing the way that this podcast works, the way this podcast sounds and looks, the format, everything. It's going to be just a full solo podcast just for, you know, culture shit. You know what I mean? Movies, TV shows, uh, music. I I forget how I missed the other M on that one, but yeah, I'm excited. I got a whole rundown of shit that I want to talk about. Um, I'm excited to get to this show. I obviously have the intro music now, you know what I mean? Because every successful podcast needs some sort of intro music. I was going to be lazy and just start the podcast. He was like, hey guys, how are you? But I'm like, no, you need some sort of intro music to get the people going. You know what I mean? When you hear that theme song, you lose your fucking mind. And I got segments and shit. I'm excited. It's been the first time I've done a solo podcast in a long time. And by solo, I mean like full episode solo. Uh, and not a video, just a podcast. And right now, this is audio, so I don't have to look at the camera. Although there is one. I have the TikTok camera on. Shout out to the watch. I love this, man. I really like just audio podcasts. I, don't, I can give a fuck about video podcasts, although that's what's popular. So... For the video version, there won't really be a video version. There'll be uh, YouTube clips and, you know, reels and TikToks and shorts, those kinds of things. Where I talk about whatever is popular in culture. I got how, how many things I got written down. I got six things written down. So that's fun. Got to make sure to pace myself so that I don't lose energy because i remember doing the solo podcast was kind of difficult because i would have a lot of energy i would treat the whole thing as if i'm being watched and so then i gotta play to the camera gotta be loud gotta have a lot of energy but right now i'm gonna try to pace myself with the energy it's gonna be more gaps more pauses i mean i'm doing solo podcasts mainly because dom sharp the host of listen to this while you shit which i co-host he stopped doing solo, so I'm going to take over that lane now. I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, Dom, you think you're the only one that can do solos? Watch this. But for this, it makes sense because I'm talking about nerdy shit, things that I really love and things that are popular and things I have opinions on. Do I have opinions on? I should. It would make the show a lot better. Anyways, that's enough of rambling in the intro, just setting the scene for what this is going to be. And the first thing that I really want to talk about is Gunna's new album. The Gift and a Curse just came out kind of quickly. If you ask me, uh, I was listening to the album. He said something like two months since he, he's been home. The whole Young Thug thing, I guess. It's been going on for a while. It's kind of crazy. You know, that it was around this time last year, probably earlier, that they got hit with the Rico and everybody went there. And um, yeah, I guess a little bit of background, you know gonna apparently snitch that's it that's the narrative that's what everybody's saying on the internet i don't know if that's true i don't think so there's like a a name for this apparently it's like the alfred plea and i saw that i've seen people talk about it and i try to stay out of it because i'm like is that snitching i don't know people a lot of people on the internet are saying that it's not snitching but i don't know if i trust them because they like gunner's music and that was obvious as soon as this album came out it's been universal acclaim. Everybody loves it. Not only like Gunna fans, but also just people that like music fans in general are like, or rap fans are like, oh my God, he's talking about something. And I'll get into that narrative in a second. Here's what I'll say about the album. It's pretty good, but it's just as good as any other Gunna album. Even with the, you know, subject matter, right? He's talking about something, but that isn't even necessarily that new either. If you listen to the last album. There's a point where there's a song in there that Gunna's talking about, like, gets very introspective on Wanna. No, it was the one before. Uh, Drip Season Forever. That was the last album, January of 2022. 
where he's talking about how, you know, he's been drinking too much lean and his fucking intestines are fucked up. It was really introspective. I remember listening to that song. I was like, oh, wow, he can't really do this. And also there's a thing with, you know, Gunna doing the, I took the top off, the live performance, the colors performance. And that showed that he's talented, right? Everybody sees that and just hears his natural voice. He's like, okay, this guy's talented. But now he fully proves it with this album. But again, in terms of an album, it's like it's not that much better than his past albums. He just is responding to things that people want to hear about, right? He's like, hey, guys, look, I, I signed some shit I didn't know. That's kind of what I got from listening to the album a couple of times. That's kind of the gist that I got was that he signed something he wasn't supposed to, but that he wasn't he didn't have any malicious intent. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't mean to betray Thug. And honestly, I believe him. I feel like he's just a kid who didn't know what the fuck he was doing and uh, got caught in a trap of uh, snitching. And now here's what's funny about this album, right? Because that's as far as I can go in depth with this album. There's not really much. There's some songs I love. Well, there's, there's one song I love, most songs I like. There's a couple of hits in there for sure. The Fuck You Mean, that song is great. Although he doesn't say Fuck You Mean enough. That that refrain wasn't used enough. There's that, yeah. There's that, but that's about it. Then I liked, what's the song that I really liked? Hold on, let me pull up the Apple Music. The song that I really like is called Turn Your Back. That's right. That's one of my favorites. It's on a playlist uh, of my favorite new music. What is it called? Freshly Squeezed. The link for that is going to be in the description below. So you can check it out, but... It's one of my favorite songs of the album. I really love that one. Oh, I was talking about hits, though. Back to the Moon is the one that everybody keeps posting because that's the one with the video. And I, I was listening to that song and I was like, yeah, he has it. He's able to do this. And that was the other narrative going into this album before it dropped. Was that could Gunna do this without all his major connections in the industry? A.K.A. Could he do this without Wheezy? That was the biggest narrative. That was the biggest thing that everybody was talking about. And I remember arguing about this on Listen to This While You Shit. I think one of the Patreon episodes or the free. I don't remember. But I was talking about how I feel like producers don't get the respect they're due. Um, and this album kind of proved me wrong in a way. In, in the way that Gunna didn't need these superstar producers to make hits. He's able to do it. He, he could get anybody. And I think that made me revise my statement. I think... My whole point with that, putting respect in producers, on top of just that, simply, just producers deserve respect. I was also talking about the fact that a lot of rappers or artists in general are carried by the beats. I'm not going to say Yeet is carried. Yeet knows how to lay his voice on top of whatever the crazy beat that Benny X most likely cooked up for him. But... I think most rappers are carried away by, especially now. So that's what I was trying to prove when I was talking about, you know, we should show more respect to producers. But Gunna, there's certainly the, the people that are really thems. Now, I'm not talking about non-binaries. Because I could say him or her, you know, it was really him or her, but I don't want to be, you know what I mean? So I just brought in it. The people that are really them, you know what I mean? They uh, figure it out. They're able to have fucking uh, a box of scraps and matches or whatever Iron Man had in that cave. And just create something incredible. So I salute, I salute Gunna, man. I salute him. But here's what I'll say, though. Um, not all of his producers left him. Wheezy left him, but Turbo is one of his main producers, and he didn't stop fucking with Gunna. And I think... No, I was going to say Turbo was producing before the YSL shit, but Gunna's been involved with YSL since the beginning. So Turbo didn't leave him. That's that's evident in the album. Although his biggest, I think the song is going to be the biggest hit or one of is going to be Back to the Moon. And that's produced by Black Mass, the guy that started doing mashups on YouTube. And now it's moved on to fucking producing for Gunna and Kanye West. It's awesome to see. But speaking of YSL. Young Thug for sure thought Young Thug does not fuck with Gunna. <laughs> and just because he hasn't come out and said it doesn't mean it's not true. And there's no better reason to believe this than 
the day the gunner drops, right? Every single fucking big artist in the industry is just posting a fucking QR code. And it's of Young Thug's next album, Business is Business, I think it's called, which in and of itself could be a shot to Gunna, but which might come out next Friday, which that would be a crazy gonna schedule for June. Even though June started off slow, there were, everybody kept saying June's gonna be an action packed month. First two weeks, it hasn't been shit. Now, third week is gonna, fourth is gonna be maybe Young Thug, and then fifth is like Uzi. Who knows where Travis and Drake are gonna fit in that, but which I'll talk about in a second with Drake. But every single big artist in the fucking rap world posting Young Thug's album, his QR code, his, his timer on the day the Gunna drops doesn't scream weird to y'all. And it was also kind of sad. That Gunna also posted the QR code because it's like, Gunna, I know you're not in the album because you would have post. Everybody posted it at the same time. Gunna did it like two hours after. They don't fuck with you, Gunna. I'm sorry to tell you that. And I get it. It seems kind of unfair that, you know, that would desert them like that. But I think it's just. I understand both ways, but this is the problem when you get in, involved with like criminal shit. That's how I feel about 6ix9ine. I think this case is different because I think 6ix9ine was just blatantly using these people. He was always going to snitch. And he was really in that life, not in the criminal life, but the YSL life. And he was shep shep shepherded by uh, Young Thug himself. But with 6ix9ine, I feel like, I don't know, It was is he knew what he was getting into. And he knew it was dangerous. And it was really kind of sloppy. So he knew it was a matter of time. And he not only that, he gladly admitted to snitching. Like he came back and he kept this trolling shit. It was like, yes, I snitched. So what? At least Gunna is like remorseful about it. He didn't want to snitch on him. He just got bamboozled. But, you know, that's the thing that I feel like probably, I don't want to speak for Young Thug. I'll let him speak for himself. Young Thug, if you're listening to this, you're welcome to hop on a call. And do an interview. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm talking so formal now and I'm doing this solo pod. I just feel like fucking Howard Stern. But I think Young Thug was just like, you're not, you're supposed to stay in own no business, man. Business is business. Supposed to fucking just say no to whatever. Just hold it down. And, you know, gonna got bamboozled, but to the detriment of Young Thug. So I, I understand both sides. I wonder. Because I think there are hits in here. If these songs truly pop, I wonder how long is it going to take before there's some sort of reconciliation between Gunna and all of YSL. I think it will happen eventually. I don't know how long it's going to take, though. I guess depending on how many years Young Thug gets, the sentence hasn't even happened for Young Thug. He's still being fucking held captive. But... It's it's a, it's a it's a shameful uh, situation, but it's kind of funny to me how the internet really determines who they like and they stick with them through thick and thin. Through thick and thin, if the internet, women, a lot of the rap world loves, like the audience loves, Gunna. So you know, Gunna was like, "I didn't mean to snitch," and they're like, "All right, whatever." We'll still listen to your shit. That's all I've been seeing. It's just memes of people dancing to fucking Gunna. It's interesting, man. It's interesting. I think uh, the album is fine. It's fine. Uh, everybody's having it up because he's responding to shit that's going on in the news. You know, he's like talking about, oh, man, you know, I took your back on me. Uh, right he's doing his all quoting shit but this really just basic gunner music and i don't think i've ever truly loved gunner's music i've enjoyed it i enjoyed uh drip season forever top off i remember hearing that and that was kind of my first introduction to like people like little baby and that kind of world that like melodic street music uh around the time that uh top off came out i remember listening to drip season two I was like, oh, this is pretty good. I really like this. It's melodic. I loved it. That was my first introduction to all this kind of music. And it's kind of crazy how these years later, Gunna, even with this, I feel like is now ahead of Lil Baby in a way. Lil Baby, uh, he he was featured on a song with Gucci Mane. 
his fucking he, he his part was just the whole first half of the song, and then Gucci Mane came on. But I clicked out of that song as like I didn't even get to Gucci Mane's part. I didn't love. I hated that. I don't know what the fuck has been going on with Lil Baby. It's weird because I feel like Gunna is one of the only few melodic rappers I'm noticing that's been able to stay consistent. I feel like with a lot of these artists like Lil Baby or even Roddy Rich, I feel like they lose their ability to come up with catchy uh, like hooks or melodies. It's weird. I don't know what the fuck is going on with it. I don't know why Gunn is the only one that's still capable of it. Maybe that's why he dropped that fucking album. He said, you know what? Uh, you won't stop me. It, yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting that, you know, two months later, he dropped a single and then had the album ready to go. No promotion, no anything. That was interesting to see, and we'll see how many records he sells. I can see him selling a lot because people love Gunna. Listen, Gunna beat the fucking weekend last year when he went against them. So I don't think I wonder. I feel like he's gonna be around eighty k. That's my prediction for how much uh, Gunna's gonna sell for this album. But we'll see. We'll see, man. This whole Gunna situation is very, very interesting. I wonder if Drake is gonna make songs with Gunna. At, at, like ever i can't imagine because he posted that qr code he did so i can't imagine he's, i don't think any, anybody who posted that qr code i don't think none of them are going to collaborate with uh with gunna but speaking of drake there's been rumors man scary hours three is it an album who fucking knows reddit told me reddit told me it was an album i've been seeing a lot of fucking articles about oh you go, you know scary albums threes and albums coming out tonight and it's not looking likely that those rumors are true but for sure something is dropping this summer scary hours 3 is dropping might be four songs that would make sense considering the first one was two songs third uh, second one was three and third one was four so many yeah i mean the numbers gonna fuck me up there but i think drake is dropping an album well it's not gonna be an album it's gonna be an ep i've changed my mind i wrote drake album coming soon on my docket on my rundown but after thinking about it and talking to dom I would argue one of the biggest Drake fans there are. He told and he told me, explained to me why it wasn't gonna be an album. I'm like, yeah, that's true, that's true. You don't gotta drop an album. Like there could be a song in the summer in there. You don't gotta drop a whole ass album. Although I do think he's gonna drop an album in the fall, fall, winter, and around that time. That seems likely to me. But if Drake is back, man, that'll be interesting because I feel like Drake there must have been something going on with that $400 million deal that he signed with Universal where, like, I, it's almost, it might be like a bonus thing. It might be like, what are those people that go knocking door to door? Um, Like, sales. Like, the more you sell, the more money you get. I feel like that's what's happening with Drake and albums. It's like, fuck it, I'll do an album. I'll drop fucking five albums in a three-year span or something um, because he's getting paid a lot. I wouldn't be shocked. And I feel like that gives him some sort of freedom. I like that he's being more casual with his music. And here's the thing about Drake. I don't want to get to turn this into a whole like Drake dick eating, a Drake eating uh, uh, section here. But two nights ago, I went to uh, OVOXO here in Philadelphia, which Dom hosted. I got to stop saying the word Dom. I got to stop saying his name. I'm getting annoyed by how many times I'm bringing him up. Actually, no, that's just ego. That's just pride because he's he's an actual friend of mine. We spent a lot of time together, so I'm going to bring him up. But OVO EXO truly proved to me how great he is and how high his hit rate is with just like good music. With the amount of music that he's dropped, it's not a lot of bad songs. And by bad songs, I mean... Like songs that people don't fuck with because I'm going by just what regular humans like, not fucking internet people, not music critics. I'm talking about people that go out to a bar and sing his shit along. You know what I mean? Like the hit rate is pretty high. But anyways, I, I don't know why I went into that tangent. I just it, it, it it's becoming more and more obvious. I feel like Drake is one of those artists and I think this is going to come out like come across obvious. But now that I'm experiencing, it makes sense. I think Drake is one of those artists that. You got to go outside to truly appreciate. And that's why the discourse on in real life versus in sales is so like different. It's like if you're online, if you live on Reddit, if you live in these 
online communities and you don't go outside and see how people physically react to Drake songs, you would never understand why he's as good as it is. And honestly, seeing people's energy and like them singing out loud to Drake songs definitely makes me appreciate them more. But all right, I just wanted to do a little a little news kind of thing of like his Drake album coming. It clearly is not going to be an album. But that EP, Scary Hours 3, he's he's promoting it heavily, so I could totally see it. I don't know when, definitely in the summer, by the end of July, the latest. But it will it will come out, and I'm excited because I, I don't know who's going to be there. I, I don't know what kind of music is going to be there. Hopefully at the gates. That could either be on Scary Hours 3, or it's going to be on Uzi's album, The Pink Tape, finally, apparently dropping the 30th. He said... Later this week, he's going to reveal the cover and the track list. So he's fully, you know, the rollout has begun. He said there's 24 songs plus two bonuses. That's too many fucking songs. But also, I get conflicted by that because, huh. I know people are going to be mad at but he's been going for a long time. So I'm not mad at him having 26 songs on his album. Especially for his fans. Like, once a lot, yeah, it's been three years, you know? Eternal Take dropped in 2023, 2020, and it was 20 songs. He's dropped a couple of EPs and songs here and there, Uzi has, but if you're going for three years, I feel like that's not bad. Because let's say, let's divide 26 by three. I need a calculator because I'm dumb at math. I don't have my internet turned on. Let me go on my phone. Let me see. 26 divided by 3. I know you guys are like, oh, it's obviously this. Fuck out of here. There's decimals in that shit. I'm not going to remember. 8.6 songs. (laughs) 8.6 songs per uh, year. That's not bad, man. Someone correct me. Yeah, people are going I don't know what the fuck is going on in the group chat. But anyways, 26 songs is a lot, but I'm not mad because it's been three years is my point. And Uzi's over here hyping it up. And this is what bothers me because it's like, okay, I can excuse the 26 track album because I feel like there's going to be some bullshit in there. going to be some mid, but it's going to be one of those albums where you pick the songs that you want to listen to. But the way he's hyping it up, he's talking about it's going to be one of the greatest. He said some shit. He was on a Kaisenet live and he said some shit like, what did he say? He said, uh, I'm scared of how I'm going to top this album. And I'm like, yo, why are you fucking hyping it up this way? I don't like it. And I don't know. There's something about Uzi. Like when I heard him say that, like I was annoyed because it felt like rapper talk. But also I kind of believed it. I think he believes that. I don't think he's capping. I don't think he's trying to promote the album, which makes me confused. Because I'm like, how the fuck could an album that's 26, tra- 26 tracks long be like this incredible thing. And I've heard some of the leaks and it's like, yo, it's typical Uzi song. So that's what it's going to happen. It's just going to be Uzi fans are probably going to love it. And just the rest of the music world is like, eh. But I can see there being some sort of hit in there. Who knows? I mean, Just Wanna Rock is one of the biggest songs last year. So I don't know. It's interesting that the Pink Tape is going to have that many songs. But I'm excited. Whenever Uzi drops, it's a, it matters. There's hype behind it, so I'm excited to see that. Also, it kind of steps on this also rumor that I read on Reddit that Travis Scott's album is going to come out in June. And it's been a whole meme of like June believers and June deniers. And then when Uzi announced that uh, Eternal, uh, not Eternal Take, Pink Tape was coming out the 30th, they were all losing their fucking minds. They were like, yeah, June deniers knowing that no album was coming out this month or whatever. I don't know. That's another. There's been a lot of rumored albums coming out. Apparently, Kendrick and, and fucking uh, Baby Keem might have a, a, a collab album dropping. Who knows? I do think something is coming with Kendrick because he's been posting fit pics on his Finsta. He has a Finsta. Jojo or Juju Runs, Runsky. Juju Runsky, I think it's called. I'm like, I know a fucking rollout when I see it. How old is Kendrick? Let me look it up. He's too old to be dropping fit pigs, dog. Especially, and look, I know Steve Harvey does it. He has fucking, you know, suit suit pigs, but, you know, that's still a fit pig. But 
Kendrick's trying to be a fucking hype beast right now. Let me see. Juju Runsky, I think. It must be Juju Runsky. That sounds familiar. Google doesn't recognize it because Google is not hip to Kendrick Lamar's Finsta. Is it Juju Runsky? Let me see. Is it Jojo Runsky? Okay. What the fuck is Kendrick Lamar's Finsta? Okay, hi beast. Please let me know. Jojo Ruski, Ruski, Ruski. There we go. It's not Runski. Yeah, I'm looking at it right here. 496,000 followers. He's doing fit pics. Get the fuck out of here, bro. That, oh, this is the caption. How I'm coming for my birthday. Oh, that's right. July. The same day that he that Drake dropped fucking, uh, honestly, never mind. That's pretty funny. Or is it June? When did honestly never mind come out? June 17th. Oh, it was yesterday at the time of recording. So, happy birthday for Kendrick, I guess. Kendrick dropping Finsta pics, I don't know. Makes me a little uncomfortable, bro. How old is he? He's old as shit. He's like fucking almost 40. Stop doing that. It's not fun. Age. 36. Okay, I guess not that old, but still, man. If we're going to make fun of fucking Drake for painting his nails, we got to make fun of fucking Kendrick Lamar for doing a finsta where he's dropping fit pics, where he's getting his fashion bag and doing fucking Steve Lazy. Well, I said Lazy. Steve Lacy style poses. Or like fucking like artsy Philly guy poses. I Like, what are we doing, bro? It's funny. Kendrick, drop that bullshit, bro. He's posting videos of himself running. Clearly a... What the fuck is that term? Middle age. Middle age breakdown? What is it? Middle age breakdown. I looked up. Midlife crisis is the the, the phrase. This is clearly a midlife crisis by Kendrick. He's posting, you know, just... (laughs) that's just fucking crazy he got a haircut at least so that's good i don't know guys i I don't know how i feel about kendrick how we how we feeling about what the fuck is that rap tv fucking or the rap uh instagram account with the fucking exclamation marks how we feeling about kendrick's fits are they good it might be i don't know he just better starts having he just better start having fun rapping again just get back to the basics, man. Just rap, bro. No more fucking uh, concept albums. Listen, I've been one of the few defending that fucking Mr. Morale albums, and I still love it to this day. It really touched me. I cried listening to it. But here's the problem. You got to have fun. That shit is tired. Nobody wants to hear somebody go through it in an album anymore. It's over. You did it three times. Have some fun. Have some fun just rapping. Just rap, bro. Just fuck everything and rap. Do what Doja Cat did. Doja Cat just said, fuck it. I'm going to rap. And it's funny because Doja Cat kind of engineered her own controversy. She cursed out her fans. And then that caused some news, some headlines. Called their fucking fans stupid. And said her first two albums were cash grabs. And then used that as a way to roll out her new, like direction in her music and then responding to the backlash that she created it's kind of genius from a from the marketing certain standpoint because if you learn if you've listened to this news newest song doja cat uh attention you will see that she's just straight up rapping i mean she's singing on the chorus which i really like and the chorus is pretty fucking long the song is almost five minutes long which is crazy for a fucking pop star of her magnitude but so she's only singing, so there's some, you know, commercial aspect to it. You can you can play that on the radio. She's singing. It's fine. But she's rapping, rapping on this. And those are like, I'm a rap drums that she's rapping over. And she did just that. And it's fun to see that, um, I don't know. It's funny to me that, is this controversial? Like, I'm trying to think, is this going to really dr- drive away fans? I don't know. 
we'll see. I guess we got to see the results of like where it ends in the in in the charts. But yeah, I really like this song. I think she's really rapping. She's saying shit. She's addressing a lot of things, mainly things she created on her own. Talked about her fucking bald head and her bald pussy. It's fun. What else? She, uh, oh yeah, this is fun. They took a lyrics of the song out of context before the song came out. They thought she was dissing Cardi, but she wasn't. She was just, because she says, oh, she's trying to be like Nikki. Aha, she can't even do that. And before the song came out, people like say, oh shit, she's dissing uh, Cardi. When it's like whole time she was impersonating people dissing her. She's like, oh, okay, you think cause I, you, you, you're comparing me to Nikki, whatever. That was funny. And that show stay in culture. And that's why I like Doja Cat doing this. Because it's like, let's get back to the music. I like, that was one of the lines she says, you just follow me. You just want to follow me. You don't care about the music. Which I think is showing that that along with Jack Harlow, he did an interview with Rap Radar. And he was talking about that same thing that he just wanted to there's too much shit going on so let me do something that matters if the music is saturated so let me do something that matters i think rappers or just artists in general but mostly rappers are noticing too much bullshit out you make your shit good you'll just stand out naturally if you stand out from the noise if you're discernible audio in a sea full of noise people are gonna care about what the fuck you're dropping and that's fun to see now I like that. We'll see if uh, I think it's gonna end up working on the long haul for Jack Harlow. I don't, but Jack Harlow wasn't as big as Doja. Doja was being po- pushed everywhere. But I don't know. Doja's still doing the antics though. She, you know, she posed fucking naked. You know, her body covered in blood. Like that's gonna cause controversy. As a pop star, you could push that. These fucking labels can push that very easily. Fuck the rapping. Just she's still doing shit that is gonna get her out into the world and have people talking about her and therefore maybe sell records. Who knows? But yeah, I really liked it and I like that she's rapping, rapping, and I want all these fucking rappers to stop the bullshit. Stop the cap. Start rapping, rapping again. But it's funny because these artists, I feel like once they get to a certain point. Like, it's either, I guess it's two ways. It's two directions. And Jack Harlow's, funnily enough, he did both of these. But you either get back to the basics in your music or you leave music altogether and try to do other shit, like acting. Jack Harlow did do both. Doja Cat stuck to rapping. Kendrick Lamar hopefully goes back to the basics of rapping. In The weekend, he's not a rapper, but he's an artist. He said, you know what? Let me go try out acting. And that shit has kind of ruined his image, at least for right now. It's kind of crazy the amount of hate he's getting for his performances. Tedros Tedros, one of the most insane character names I've ever heard in my life. On The Idol. Co-directed by Sam Levinson. Or co-created by Sam Levinson. So it was The Weeknd and Sam Levinson. And there's so much background, you know, shit that went on with this, this show. I'll do a quick recap. I'll do a quick, quick, quick recap because there's so much and I've said it so many places, but let me think about how to do it in an economical way. Basically, uh, The weekend wanted to be involved in a show with A24 and HBO and Sam Levinson. The pieces were there. Um, there was another uh, uh, showrunner. She was a woman, um, as indicated by the pronoun. Ah, shit. I guess it doesn't really matter. Why did I have to add a little bit of piece of info? I didn't have to. Now I'm fucking done. Fuck, my podcast is over. Anyways. (laughs) Anyways, she uh, left eventually because at first the weekend wanted to just be a side character, right? He just wanted to, you know, be part of something great. And if his involvement in it wasn't too big, it was fine because it would be something great. He helped shepherd that. Second time I used the word shepherd. Do I know how to use that word? No. Am I pronouncing it wrong? Probably. Will I keep using it? Most likely. But I guess, you know, just like any artist, I guess it's hard for an artist to like 
let go of their ego, man. Especially when you've been killing shit left and right for years now. He was just like, you know what? I don't like my role. It's too small. You showrunner woman, the fuck out. I want it to be about Tedros and uh, Jocelyn, the main character, played by Lily Rose Depp. And that's what we've been getting with the with the idol. By the time this comes out, episode three has come out. I haven't watched it. I didn't see episode two either. I watched episode one, and I could tell you, it's not a good show. Is it bad? I don't know. I don't think it's bad, but it's not good. I got some enjoyment out of it. Is it? Is is it? Yeah. It's just. Is it boring? A little bit. That first episode. There's not much that happened. It was like an hour long, and it was like three things that happened. Very stretched out. Is the weekend's acting in it bad? Probably. Yeah, I was going to say not really. I was going to say the same shit that I say for the show, but nah, fuck that. I don't think his acting's bad. I don't think his acting's bad at all. I think it's just not good. Again, just like the show. I think the show is definitely, in, if, if, you're, if you want to average it out, like it's average close to below average. But I don't think it's bad. It has some good elements, the way it looks. I think Lily Rose Depp is pretty good. I think The Weeknd is not bad. I buy him. Like, the character that he's portraying, like, it's he's creepy in a weird way. Like, I think his lack of charisma on screen works for the character. And I think a lot of people are saying, oh, he has no screen presence whatsoever. Um, and, I, and I agree. But I think that kind of adds to the character a little bit. Because the character is supposed to be a nobody. A nobody nothing. Or somebody. I, I mean, apparently he's a cult leader. I don't know what the fuck is going on in terms of plot of that show. I don't know why people expected a Sam Levinson show to have a good plot, but that's neither here nor there. Like, whatever. That's the way people think about the show. That's whatever. That's fine. The show could be good or bad. It doesn't matter. But I do think people are dogpiling on this show and on the people behind uh, the people responsible for the show. I think a lot of the hate stemming from Sam Levinson, which I find it fascinating that he hasn't really done anything, quote unquote, cancelable, but people just hate him. They think he's a pervert because of what he's done with young women on Euphoria, especially Sydney Sweeney, which I could see that because Sydney Sweeney's titties always be out and, you know, I'm not complaining, but I don't know. Is it necessary for the plot? I couldn't tell you. Listen, I couldn't tell you, but um, I, I couldn't tell you, but do I enjoy looking at those fucking tits? Yes, I do. I think that's the main reason, to be honest. Also, Sam Levinson, you know the other thing? I think the other reason people are hating on Sam Levinson, because I, I think people legitimately like season one. I think people hate him because season two, he went with something much darker. And a lot of fans, I think, are upset that it wasn't as fun as season one was. But I don't think that's... But I, Whatever, I don't want to get into arguing with the fans of the show. But I think it made sense. I think it's a natural... I think it's a, a nice... How do you say it? I think it's a nice progression of things. They're saying it's not the same show, but I'm not mad that it isn't, especially with that break that we had. It's like, I don't know if it could just redo season one. People are mad at it. I think that's part of it. I don't know. I think people just simply do not like Sam Levinson and want to read into it way more than there is. And people's hate of Sam Levinson is now bleeding onto The Weeknd, who is not a good actor, right? So that hurts him. That opens them for criticism. But I think it's getting to the point where mainly white people, I'm noticing, white pop fans, stain culture, I guess you could say. Anytime I'm talking about white pop fans, I think I just call it stain culture. That's what I call that. They're turning on the weekend because, to be honest, I think it's because he's just a black man that's been largely unproblematic. That's really it. <laughs> and they're always going to have to find a way to tear down a successful black man. I don't want to get into my Dr. Umar shit, but I do want to get into my Dr. Umar shit. The weekend didn't talk for the longest. Like, he just didn't talk. He was very mysterious. He just put out the fucking music and shut the fuck up. So I think people that saw that, there was just absolutely no way to criticize him. If anything, he was just like a non, uh, a non-entity. He was just like, oh, he that guy, The weekend, he makes good music. And that's that. That's all you could say. But I think now, because he's involved with this and he's getting more outspoken, I think people are... A lot of people, a lot of stand culture is finding him after he's dropped so many fucking big pop hits. They're discovering who he is as a person and what he's done in the past. And what I mean by that is 
his music in the subject matter that he touched on and are like, oh, is this guy also creepy? I don't know, but I'll assume it because he's singing out with Sam Levinson and they kicked out a woman and it bothers me. Like, I'm already, I've been seeing takes on Twitter being like, yo, he looks like an abuser. It's like, yo, what the fuck? What are we doing? Like, how far are we going with this? Like, granted, do I believe some of the things that he sung about on Trilogy? Yes. <laughs> For sure. He absolutely did a lot of that shit. If not, like, I would be surprised if it's less than 90%. He did a lot of those things. Was that a long time ago? Yes. Have there been any witnesses come forward? No, and I don't think they will. So should you even hold that against him now, especially, like, where he comes from? If you know his story, you know he was homeless. Like, you know, he his, his face isn't known to anybody for years to the point where, like, there's a funny story where one time he was working at H&M, I think, or something, or some retail store, and they played the weekend's music, and nobody knew who, who he was, who, the, who, it, who it was. He was just there working, like, is that me? He was like, these people don't know that that's me singing. I just don't like the hate that I've been seeing for the weekend. And I was talking, I was going to go really hyperbolic, like, is the idol ruining the weekend's image? And I don't think he's ruining it. At the very least, it's not ruining it permanently. It's something, like, temporary that people are going to make fun of. But people are probably going to move on. You know. But back to the opening, Tiny Pussy Stretcher. That's also another reason that's been going on. That Why the idol's been so in the culture is because a lot of the moments are cringeworthy. And they're cringeworthy with uh, with things involving sex. Like the weekend being like, stretch that tiny little pussy. Whatever the fuck he says. It's, it's ridiculous shit that he's saying on this show. It's hyper, hyper, hyper sexual. And you combine it with the lack of, char the lack of uh, charisma. And also... You know, people just disliking everything about the show from the jump, aka Sam Levinson. It's just you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a combination for disaster, and I think that's really why the that's really the reason the weekend is playing his hits at the European uh, tour, the European leg of his tour, or his world tour, or stadium tour. He's playing a lot of classic songs that have never been performed, and I'm like, a lot of his fans are confused, like, why the fuck is he playing this? Oh, I'm so jealous. I'm I see it right through it, buddy. I know you're trying to divert from the criticism. And you're like, oh my God, he played lost music the whole time. He's just mad. He's just, you know, he doesn't like people talking shit about him. But he is, you know, going along with the memes to a certain extent, which I like. He was promoting uh, episode three with the picture of him saying, stretch that tiny little pussy. So he's going along with it. I like that. But I don't like that he's getting hated on. I always love The Weeknd. I think The Weeknd is in my top two artists. I think if I, without thinking too hard about it, I think my top two. Eventually, I want to do like a Mount Rushmore and talk about it here, but I think my top two is The Weeknd and Tyler, The Creator. They're the ones whose music I go back to the most. Their catalog I love. Yeah, I think those are my top two, but right now he's getting cooked because of the idol. And, I, and you know, it's just funny to me, but I hope people don't take it more seriously than it should be. You know which show is not bad? That was a horrible transition. Uh, Black Mirror season four. I, I wrote season four. It's season six. I forgot. I'm stuck in fucking 2018 <laughs> or 2017. Whenever season four came out, I remember when that came out. That was the first order. That was when Netflix first acquired Black Mirror. Season four was coming out. They'd done three seasons. That feels like such a long time ago, man. I mean, that's because it was like season six. This season, I don't know why it took so long, and I don't think it was COVID either. I don't think they were working on a season even before COVID. Charlie Brooker's been doing a lot of shit. He did that shit. He did like two specials for Netflix, do like comedy things. I call them specials because I don't know what the fuck they were. It's weird. But he's finally back, Charlie Brooker, and uh, with season six, five episodes. Nice and short, how a Black Mirror season should be. I don't think I watched season five. So it is what it is. I definitely watched season four. Uh, there was a lot of uh, pretty cool episodes there. And I'll be honest, at first, I didn't really want to watch Black Mirror because Black Mirror is such a weird show because I, and I don't want to say this is going to come across annoying, but I just got to say it. I watched it first. I was there first. I was there with fucking, you know, those first. Uh, was it only the 
well, well, only the first two seasons that come out, I think. So it was only six episodes, t- six episodes total that I'd seen. I was there, man, 2014. I watched that pig getting fucked. I did. <laughs> so I, I've been, I've been very, you know, 15 million merits. Like I've been very familiar with it, and it's kind of, it's shocking to me, I guess, how big Black Mirror is as a show. I didn't realize this many people have seen it, but it's one of those shows that over the years, just always there. You can watch it. It's not that many episodes. So it's like it feels exclusive. I don't know. There's this weird kind of hype around Black Mirror that it's just a show that everybody knows. Like its awareness is immense, way bigger than I expected. And I noticed that with season six when it came out, a lot of people talking about, uh, yeah, I'm definitely watching Black Mirror. And for the sake of this show, to let you guys know what's going on in culture, all things culture is the tagline. So there you go. I said, you know what? Let me watch Black Mirror. Let's see what the fuzz is about. And um, I had an interesting experience, man, watching those first two episodes. Uh, will I spoil it? No, I don't think I have to. I don't think I will. First episode, I was like, oh, okay. This is fun. Oh, I had so many thoughts about Black Mirror. For one, okay, the first episode of the season six premiere, it was, it's called Jonah's Awful. And it's kind of a play on, it's kind of satirizing or commenting on how far AI is going to go and, you know, tr- a, a true crime, I guess, or like uh, using people's likeness and shit. It's interesting that both the, the first two episodes are kind of about the same thing, like about other people's lives as content. But the first drone is awful is more of a lighthearted kind of comedy, uh, which I did not like, or it, it kind of put me off because I was just like, when I think of Black Mirror, I think about a pig getting fucked. I'm sorry, but I do. I think about the fucking darkest thing possible, the craziest twist, the bleakest thing you can think of. It's called a fucking Black Mirror at the end of the day. Also, did you know Black Mirror stands for the, 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 the screen turn off? Yes, everybody fucking know that. We found out that shit before the pandemic. Everybody knew that that's what the fuck Black Mirror meant. I don't know why I'm still seeing people be like, guys, did you know that Black Mirror is actually, yo, if you turn off the screen of your phone, oh shit, that's a Black Mirror. We all know. Anyways, Black Mirror, when I think of it, I think of dark shit. And recently, I feel like Charlie Brooker's getting more and more Americanized, more American. And he's been adding a lot of humor that I just don't think works. Especially that first episode is a prime example of it where like that humor, I hate it because it was so fucking, ah, it wasn't funny at all. I hated it. So I was watching the show and I'm like, okay, I'm probably only going to watch episode one. That's about it. Because I was thinking like, oh, okay, so they're not going to like, what are they doing? Like, I get what they're going for. I get what you're commentating on. It is what it is. But then the episode ended and there was some sort of there was a twist. There was a a legit twist. And I was like, oh, shit. Let me think about like that was me while watching. I was like, wait, so that does that make sense? It was like that that means that and this means that. Oh, shit, that's fire. And then I realized Okay, the humor I don't like. I don't find it funny, but Charlie Brooker's pen? That motherfucker get right at dystopian story. He's a great fucking writer. And that's what I that's what kept me going to uh watch episode two. Cause the way the episode one ends is like, oh wow, this is like it's almost like I feel like Charlie Brooker, the way he writes, it's kind of patented at this point. It's interesting, man. I don't know. I guess I forgot how good his storytelling is in terms of like individual uh, uh, um, what's the name of it? Anthology episodes, like, cause there's been so many shows that have tried to do the anthology shit, and Atlanta notwithstanding, even fucking little day, like, it's a lot of episodes now they do that. That sometimes decide, you know what? I want to get him on RT back and do an anthology show. But I just I've seen a lot of those, and watching even just the first episode, I was just like, yeah, nobody's doing anthology like Charlie Brooker does it. He's just amazing at it. And then I watched season two, or I watched episode two of season six, Locke Henry, and I was like, yes, this is exactly the kind of fucking dark shit that I love. Locke Henry definitely took me back to the early episodes of uh, Black Mirror. The comedy notwithstanding, because that comedy was a little goofy from the, the side character, Podrick from Game of Thrones, which I only realized afterwards, but I knew he looked familiar. That episode, episode two, Locke Henry, I was like, oh my God. 
this is why I love this show. I want some dark as shit. And that's what that episode was. Without spoiling it too much. But episode two is, uh, you know, also about kind of like true crime. In um, what are we willing to accept? How far did we go? And I think that what I got from that episode was like, we'll go as far as we need to to make money and to get the fucking accolades. There is no too far with true crime. And that was fascinating. I kind of want to actually deep dive these episodes, but I'm not going to do it now. Maybe next next episode, I might watch all of it and do a kind of a deep dive. I might just do a Black Mirror only, like Black Mirror Season 6 deep dive. I might just do that. That'll be fun. Might do reactions to the episodes with Dom. Who knows? Stay tuned on the YouTube. Subscribe. Links down below, I guess. I think. I don't know. But yeah, Black Mirror is very good, man. I was not expecting it to be that good. And now I'm kind of like itching. Now I'm like, fuck, I need more. I haven't watched. I don't remember the last show that I watched where like that really got me hooked. Because the show has to be really good for me to be like, all right, when's the next time can I watch it? Because I'm so busy all the time. I'm like, I'll catch it when I can. But with Black Mirror, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm dying to watch it. I'm dying to watch it. You know what I'm not dying to watch? Absolutely not. I probably won't watch it. Most people feel like this also. The Flash. <laughs> Nobody was to watch that shit. <laughs> yo, it's so funny how, yo, it's it's crazy how PR works, bro, and advertising and marketing. Because I could have sworn that this movie was gonna be more than it was always meant to be. It really tricked all of us, man. They, they really tricked me, man. What what's that uh, Russell Westbrook quote? They tricked y'all, man. He tricked y'all. Yo, the Flash is just Pat Beth. I really thought. I really, really thought that this was going to be at least a fine movie. But not only is it just like not good, nobody wants to watch it. And it's funny because I don't even think it's because it's not it's like not good. I don't think that's the reason. I think it's something so obvious that I forgot about. Or I guess I was blinded because of fucking Tom Cruise telling me the movie's great. It's the idea that it's The Flash. Who cares about the fucking Flash? The Flash is not Batman. The Flash is not Spider-Man. It's not Iron Man. At least not new. Like, who cares about fucking Flash? That's one. And two, and this is the, the, the bigger point, who cares about the Flash from the DCEU, from Justice League? I was thinking about that, like, oh, shit, this is the same Flash from fucking Justice League in Batman v Superman, two movies that fucking flopped up the back box office. Why did I think this was going to be a big hit? There's people predicting like a billion dollars for the, the, the box office of it. It's kind of mind-blowing. And the people, they got to talk about it. David Sasslav saying this is the greatest movie of all time. Fucking James Gunn hyping it. I mean, he's supposed to, but still. Like, Stephen King, of all people, was like, oh, guys, this is amazing. Yeah, Top Cruise's exact words, this is what the audience wants. Clearly not. This movie's fucking floppy. Yo, this movie's going to do less than Black Adam. We got to put some respect on The Rock, dog, because it's all relative. You know what I mean? Like, The Rock still, like, people going to see Black Adam just because of The Fucking Rock, that's impressive as fuck, bro. Like, just The Rock is, is yo, The Rock is the biggest, it's a bigger commodity than, like, The Flash in, 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 in fucking, uh, uh, like, the Justice League's Flash the, of the DCEU. It's kind of nuts that any of us bought, bought into the hype, but I did. I definitely did. Well, I wasn't going to watch it, but I thought it would make more money. Yeah, it's wild, bro. The other thing is, like, obviously, I think a lot of people also want to uh, uh, blame it on Ezra Miller. But I don't think that's it. I really just, it comes down to no, nobody giving a fuck about the Flash. Specifically, fucking the DCEU Flash. What? Nobody cares. It's not because Ezra Miller did all these fucking crimes. I think people most most people have forgotten at this point. Ezra Miller hasn't said a word until the premiere for like a year. Like nobody cares. In real life, nobody cared about that, but no, they also didn't care about the movie at all. And it's just kind of a fascinating kind of showcase. And you can't, you know what I mean? Ball is ball. Is that the phrase? It's not the. That's not the phrase at all. It's ball don't lie. Ball don't lie, dog. Ball don't lie. Like, I don't care how many tricks you want to, you, 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 you know what I mean? Like, you want to, you can get off. You can't have Martin Scorsese himself say this is the greatest movie of all time. It's not going to change people's interest in the fucking movie. 
This one was doing from the beginning. His budget was too big. It's troubled for 10 years. All for a character. Not only all for a character that nobody cares about, but also for a universe that nobody cares about. Nobody's invested in the DC. Yo, absolutely. Nobody cares about the DC fucking extended universe. The fact that it's even extended tells you nobody gives a fuck. That was a bad name from the jump, bro. DC is cooked, man. I'm excited for what James Gunn does because I think it is going to be good. But until then, dog, I think Blue Beetle might make more money. No, I won't. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. This is Blue Beetle. It's not. It, 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 yeah, people probably care less. But I think at least Blue Beetle looks fun. Like the Flash, it was it was like, oh, okay, I guess the Flash and Michael Keaton. That's the other thing that they were counting on, that people are going to come watch this movie because of Michael Keaton. Those people are dead. They don't want to watch that shit. It's so funny, bro, that the Flash is bombing at the box office like it is. That's hilarious. I would have never thought that. But, yeah, man, that was uh, that's pretty much everything I wanted to cover on this episode. Even more so, there's other things I forgot. There's other things I didn't even write down that I talked about. Like Uzi's album coming out and shit and Travis Scott. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's all that I really want to talk about, man. I got off a lot. It's been a while. This is fun. I realize looking at the camera and playing to the camera makes me exhausted, but just talking, just looking at the, the empty space. Also, pauses like that are pretty good, but um, yeah, that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about. Now let's do the ending segment. This is going to be the segment that I end every episode with, and I call it The Rec Room. Get it? Rec Room because... It could be a recreational room, but also a recommendation room. Get it? I cooked that with that one, didn't I? And that's why the sounds of the pinballs is you're in the rec room. You're in the fucking, you know what I mean? The arcade that you built at home in the fucking basement. Anyways, let me know if you actually, I, I, honestly, let me know if you like that. I thought I cooked up with that one, but if I didn't, I might have to re just change the whole shit. Actually, no, fuck y'all, man. Fuck y'all. I'm going to keep rec room. I like it. These are just going to be just things that I've seen that I, either that I loved or didn't care about, but just smaller, just like quick hits, quick recommendations or or, or thumbs downs. I don't know. Maida, M-A-E-T-A. She is an R&B artist that um, I guess is connected because her new album, When I Hear Your Name, a lot of the writers and producers are like A-listers. Kaylani wrote some songs. SZA wrote some songs. James Fondleroy is an opening track. It's like... Every single big, this is like the, like almost like the Avengers of like R&B music, just creators, like not even just like singers, but just writers and, and, and producers all got together to make this album. And honestly, with the amount of talent that was involved in this album, I was a little bit disappointed, but it's still really good. I give it like a seven out of 10. I wish it was like an eight out of 10. You know, if you have fucking, if you start the album, James Fontleroy, I mean, you gotta, come on, you're, you're, you're tripping. Why, why the fuck is a rating that low? But overall, but it, it is an enjoyable album. It's one of those, like, you could tell Care was put into it. She tried a lot of different types of sounds. It's interesting. Lucky Days featured, Ty Dollar Sign, Free Nationals. That's probably the best song on this is def the best song on this is definitely the last song through the night. It's an incredible four minute fucking epic Yes, I'm calling music epics now. I'm trying to think of what my favorite song was. Besides Through the Night, I liked Sex. I liked uh, See You Around. It's pretty good. That kind of island vibe. I'm an island boy myself. I'm an island boy. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. That, I give it like a 7 out of 10. That was made as new album when I hear your name. Also, I saw this movie Sanctuary. Uh, let me look up more details on IMDb. I know for sure it stars Margaret Qualley. Uh, she was that white girl with the dirty feet in uh, that Tarantino movie, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She was also on The Leftovers. That's where I know her from. Uh, and also the guy, um, what's his name? Christopher Abbott. You've seen him shit. You probably not don't recognize him, but you've definitely seen him on shit. This is um, is directed by Zachary Wigon, and it's written by Micah Bloomberg. And it's about a dominatrix in Hal. Her wealthy client and the disaster that ensues when Hal tries to end the relationship. And here's the thing. Short, like 90 minutes. 
it takes place all in one hotel room and you might think, how the fuck are they going to make that compelling? Listen, it's psychological and I love movies that are psychological. So I really love this one. I love that it was it was a weirdly positive and romantic movie about like kind of a fucked up subject, which is just psycho psychosexual trauma. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't think that it would have like a happy ending, but it kind of does. It nails the landing. It, it was oddly. I said in my review of my letterbox, you can follow me there at Eladio Talks on Letterbox. I said that it was like, you know, you expect this movie to be postmodern. And by that, I mean like a cynical movie, like a cynical movie about movies like this. But then it ends up being just like a genuine. Just like, listen, there's beauty in the vulnerability that comes from uh, it's, you know, dumb, a dom in a sub relationship like. Yeah, I don't I don't want to spoil it too much. But I really, 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 I loved it. I really, I really did love it. And also, I love looking at Margaret Qualley just acting her ass off. She is talented. That's the only reason I kept watching the screen. What else did I watch? I watched the Mrs. Davis pilot. This is a show, uh, uh, show ran by uh, Damon Lindelof and another woman. It's a woman of color. I think she's a Hispanic woman. Uh, Tara Hernandez. She's definitely Mexican. Um... It's on Peacock. And now I, I don't know why I waited so long to watch this. It's because I guess there wasn't no hype behind it. It's on Peacock as well. It's like, who's watching shit on Peacock? It stars Betty Gilpin and Jake McDormand, amongst many others. Here's a description that it says. This, <laughs> yeah, this is insane. Sister Simone partners with her ex-boyfriend Wiley on a globe-spanning journey to destroy Mrs. Davis, a powerful artificial intelligence. Yeah. It was one of the most insane pilots I've ever seen in my life, but I think by the end of it, I bought into its insane kind of thing that it was going for. I'd never see, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. The Even the frame rate looked like a joke, but I think it was a joke on purpose. It was hard to know if it was on purpose that the the frame rate looked like that. It was wild. I was watching an interview with, the, with Terry Hernandez uh, on The Watch, shout out to The Watch, where she says that this show is basically a hat on a hat on a hat. Which a hat on a hat means like you're doing like you're doing one thing. Let's say a thriller. Then you said romantic thriller. So that's hat on a hat. And sometimes that can be hard to juggle. They said, fuck it. I'm just going to add as many hats as I want. And that's what the show is. And at first I was really confused. But then by the end of it, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm tapped in. Granted, I'm watching uh, Black Mirror right now. So I'm probably going to finish that first. Well, I'm definitely going back to Mrs. Uh, Davis. It's fucking crazy. It's one of the crazy. I just wanted to mention it. Do I recommend it? I mean, I don't know. If you want, if, I mean, listen. If you, if you can make it past the first like fifteen minutes of this show, then you're probably gonna enjoy the rest of it. That I feel like the first fifteen minutes are almost built to drive away anybody that could even possibly like that show. But yeah, it's 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 an interesting show, and I'm gonna keep watching. And apparently, it has like it gets better as you go, as it keeps going. Like you settle into the rhythm of it, which I kind of did by the end of it. But it's still like, what the fuck did I watch? Did they really do that? That was me. My, my Joe was on the floor most of it. It was hard to even multitask. I was supposed to be doing other shit, and I was just like, what the fuck? But anyways, yeah, that's the Mrs. Davis pilot. You can check that out on Peacock. It almost, to, to be honest, it just seemed, it, it looked like a crazier Watchmen, if you've seen Watchmen. Like a less prestigious, crazier, campier version of Watchmen. So, if that sells you on it, then that's exactly what you're going to get. And the last little uh, thing that I consumed, the last piece of media that I consumed. Doughboy dropped an album, Beezy. I really like Doughboy's last album. Let me look it up. What was it called? The fuck is going on with my Apple Music, dog? It's like stupid, stupid. Yeah, Doughboy is an artist signed to free bands. Uh, this album actually be was executive produced by Future, which makes sense when you talk about how uh, I don't want to say good, but how uh, God, it's hard to describe. Let me let me just go to this first album. I really oh he actually well it was like more of an EP. It's not really an album. He dropped uh, Catch Me If You Can last year. But first he dropped, oh, really? I love that album. That's the first time I ever heard of him. I listened to it. I, there's so many songs that I go back to to this day. To this day. Um, 
So compared to that, I was disappointed in Beezy, but it's funny because I think Beezy is actually a grander um, album. Like it's more epic in scale. Like you, it's more ambitious. But I think even if you go, I can respect the ambition. I can respect future, you know, executive producing your album. But the songs to me, I still got to like the songs. And unfortunately, I didn't like most of these songs. I would give this album like a five out of ten. I don't know. There's so many features. Still, his big features. And he ends the album well with that crazy bone and busy bone on Grim Reaper. Um, I just didn't like that because he's good at his trap rap shit, right? But I think he tries other things here, and I, they just didn't work for me. But I appreciated him even trying it in the first place. And tell that he wants to do something, aspire to something bigger than just any a typical trap, like a Nardlewick. I'll say this though: Where the fuck is this song with Drake? They're supposed to have a song together. That was teased like in 2020, around the time that he announced uh, Certified Lover Boy. I don't know. Favorite song on here? Um, probably the Future song, but I even love that song that much, which speaks to my overall enjoyment of the album, Menace. It was a pretty good song. It was a pretty good song. It was, you know, felt like a Future throwaway, but it is what it is. But yeah, I don't think I saw anything else. So that's going to be it for this episode, guys. That was a successful first episode. Talked a lot. I could do this weekly, I hope. You know what I mean? I talked a lot. I don't want this to get tiring and boring. Hope I'm able to keep this up. Um, just as long as I don't I don't set myself uh, uh, like a timer. I haven't even looked at the time. I don't know how long I've been going for. She might end up being 20 minutes. Guys, I've only been talking for 20 minutes. That's all you're getting. However long it is, it's as long as it needs to. That's as long as I got shit to talk about. That's all. If I got three things to say, the episode is going to be five. It could be five minutes. I don't care. It is what it is. But yeah. That's been it for, I didn't write an intro. I did prepare an outro or an intro. I mean, um, but I didn't prepare an outro. So it is what it is, man. Uh, bye. No, that's too sudden. I can't do that. Um, what can I say? I'll see you guys next week for sure. Follow me on the socials at Eladio talks, E L A D I O talks on letterbox on Twitter and on Instagram. Subscribe to the YouTube channel to see, watch video clips of this. You know what I mean? Of these topics, if you want to know what I look like and what the set is, that's fun. Might add some some you know, fun cuts and fun edits to the videos. Who knows? What else? Oh, opinions empty on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. Um, and I think that's about it. Rate the podcast five stars. If you're listening on Apple Music, that's going to help. I want to make this one of the bigger culture podcasts that are out there so if you guys can help me do that i will truly appreciate it but until then thank you so much for listening and i'll catch you guys next week